Hey, Brian. What's up? Nothing much. Just having a crazy week. Failing at recording once already. Oh, that's all right. We're here now. We uh, we get to we get to experience more of the intellect and genius of Matt Mercer and other writers. I'm so excited. I did not. I mean, I'm not surprised at all. But I didn't know until only about a week before the book released that there were a lot of other writers involved with the content of the book. Mm-hmm. Which can I just say, it's a very good thing because we all, oh, yeah. you know, we don't want Matt to lose his sanity. We don't want anybody to lose their sanity. Of course not. Um, and I think the nature of that is like, you know, if you're writing a book, then sure, you know, maybe it's a one a one person job. But um, I don't know. I feel like at some point, trying to do like a trying to do like a full like world building thing like that. With only one person, uh, I feel like there is a threshold where stuff can be gained from just somebody complete, like somebody physically, like a different person, putting their perspective into it, helping it feel a little bit more alive. Oh yeah, how do you sure. feel about that? Yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, I feel like, as far as the world building aspect of this new book is, it it really feels like the whole team just let Matt do his thing. Like this is, yep. this is very clearly a Matt Mercer world. Yep. Um, and then I personally, I think the, the rest of the team was there to, to put mechanics and other stuff in the adventure. Yeah. I think there were, I was watching an interview or two with one of the gals that, was part of the, uh, she had like a section, but I thought I remember her saying like that she was directly involved in some of the, like she brought story elements to it, but Mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I never, I'm never going to know how, you know, deep all of those roles were. Right. So, um, so after going through it, um, do you have, what's your, so what's your, what's your one to 10? What's your rating of the book? Uh, my my spoiler free rating. I'll give it a solid eight out of ten. Wow. Okay. For an adventure book, I mean, I mean, we got to be real. I'm a huge Critical Role fan, and so that was I like yep. went into it knowing that this was. A critical role thing and so i was i was already in a good mood about it you were already at like a six or seven mm-hmm. before even cracking it open yeah there was a couple of things that i didn't love but there was nothing about it that was like that there was nothing about it that really put a bad taste in my mouth for the whole book um can we do sorry um, I never do these in order. Can we do game news real quick? Game news. So did you hear the news uh, yesterday? Yes, I did. And I just forgot. And I remember like seeing it and being like, oh, we're definitely going to talk about that. And then as yeah, soon as you yeah. said, hey, let's do game news, completely forgot it. Somebody <laughs> bought something. Who who bought what? Wizards of the Coast. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Of course. Wizards of the Coast bought D&D Beyond. Yes, 
are you excited or not excited? So, I'm. A, I think I've watched too much, like uh, tech news, like new technology uh, company news, stock news stuff. Mm-hmm. To like ever be like a hundred percent excited when two large companies, like when one large company uh, makes an acquisition for another large company. Yeah. Because I'm always like, nah, all right. Yeah. Like the the singularity is progressing, and <laughs> exactly. it's just all going to be one thing. Yes, um, the narrowing so there's of that. perspectives, right? It's... Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and there are in there's there's inherently going to be some, like it's not like they weren't already restricted, because they're they were the official they they were the unofficial tool set, and then they became the official tool set, and yeah. they as a company may not have been restricted, but it's the whole like if this then that. Like so, right. if 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 they wanted to continue to get these books without being sued for days, uh, then they were probably gonna have to keep following the rules that they have been. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they didn't have restrictions. Yeah. But there's there's still some freedom that's inherently gonna be lost in yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah, I saw um, a bunch of memes about it, and uh, apparently, Wizards of the Coast has done this before in previous editions. They've they've acquired like the unofficial uh, online character maker builders. Yeah. Um, and from what I gathered from the memers, it didn't really go well. And so a lot of like the old, old time players are not very excited about it. But, yeah, so you know, I'll tell you the reasons why I'll, I'll tell you the reasons why I am excited. I am excited for one main reason, and that is the whole argument of you know whenever whenever somebody would see an ad on D and D Beyond for books, they're like, well, why can't I just get like a, a code in my physical book to open it up on D and D Beyond? And the whole thing was like, okay, well, D and D Beyond is a completely separate company. Mm-hmm. So now. What I would very much almost expect to see is I would like to see like a like a bundle package. Like, hey, this this book is X amount for just the physical or just the electronic version, mm-hmm. the D D Beyond version. And it is this amount, which is maybe you know like if you get the physical book, you can get the digital book at the same time for maybe fifty percent off or something. Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't expect there to be a code just in there, no matter what, because D and D Beyond, like again, some it's it shows ignorance when somebody thinks that all D and D Beyond is just doing is just slapping the book as a PDF mm-hmm. online. Right. They're doing a ton with all of the content. Yeah, so much more. Yeah, yeah. Um, but some kind of discounted rate. And so if I could, if I could pay, if I could pay like forty bucks, um, to have both of them, that would be nice. That's that's considering like an Amazon physical book rate and then a discounted DDB on rate. So yeah. that's a little bit that's a little bit um, aggressive, but something like that. I would like to see that. Um, the other thing is I would like to see is I don't I don't keep track. I don't know who runs. I don't know who ran DD Beyond in the first place. Um, but I think my hope and I think everybody's hope is that 
the management doesn't ch- like i think that everybody just hopes that wizards of the coast is just gonna let them keep doing their thing mm-hmm. just under you know a new roof yeah um and then the third thing is i hope that this i do hope that this is along the track of hopefully um integrating a virtual tabletop as well oh that would be cool i hadn't actually thought of that Yes, that's that's the big conversation that people are having because if they can have the character sheet, the well, okay, the sorry, the game, <laughs> the character sheet, and the and the virtual tabletop all in one like good thing, mm-hmm. that is a like that's gonna be sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, man, all in one place. Jeez. And you know because. They said that they were making, they had been making one for fourth edition and for reasons that people argue about. Um, they they did not end up finishing it. Mm-hmm. But either, you know, people are talking about if they, you know, go and buy out like Roll20 or somebody or they go and make one from scratch. Whatever it is, you know, having official integration um, is going to be so powerful for the game. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be, that would be absolutely huge to have an in-house everything on one website. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Um, That's like, that's a, that would be a big deal. That'd be a real, real (laughs) big deal. Yeah, it would be, it would be pretty cool. So I'm excited for the possibilities that, that lie there. Obviously... Um, I, I don't, I think it's just the general cynicism of all the negative things that can happen from an, uh, an acquisition. Yeah. Yeah. So two companies were doing their thing well mm-hmm. and there's doubt, you know, can this person do this? Can, can this person do what they did well? And also what these other guys were doing well mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so. it's one of those things that only time will be able to tell. So, like yep. I said, I'll reserve so. my judgment until it actually goes terribly wrong. Yeah, but um, it's a it's a big thing nonetheless. I mean, I think it was I think it was somewhere in the hundred and sixty something million. Wow. So, yeah, um, it's always going to be a a talking point uh, for folks. I th- <laughs> I saw in the article. I I watched a YouTube video of it, and the YouTube video referenced the article, which mm-hmm. is what I love, so that I don't have to actually read the article. <laughs> And they said, towards the bottom of the article, it said, um, this acquisition was made with cash on hand. Jeez, dude. <laughs> and I was like, that's what crazy, a weird... Dude. Like, when companies well, do that, that's yeah. nuts. And I, like, I'm just I saying, what that. a weird way to say it. Like, what a... Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you just had to point it out. Like, oh, yeah, we opened up, we opened up like, Jill's, like, desk the other day, and we just found, like, $160 million. Yeah, we had, like, $200 million just sitting there, so we're like, hey, let's buy D&D Beyond. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? We, yeah, Bill left a zero out of the uh, accounting records last year, and so we just, <laughs> it's weird. That's nuts, dude. It's weird stuff, man. So, yeah, that's, that's going to be a, that's going to be a big deal. Because um, I also don't want, inherently, I don't want there to be less competition of other, because, if they were to do all three, it's going to be very hard to compete mm-hmm. as any other single service. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Foundry is going to be 
uh, in hot water uh, astral that we used a couple of weeks ago is going to be in hot water. Roll twenty is going to obviously be in hot water. Yeah, um, um, and especially their if they do something where they do a bundle with the physical books and the D and D Beyond digital version. All those other companies, like Roll Twenty, you can buy the you can yeah. buy the digital book in their system. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Wizards of the Coast is going to disallow that, but I think the competition for it is going to be so much. Yeah, so they're much just less. gonna they're gonna drive them into the ground through competition, not not through. Yeah. yeah. Cease and desist. And there's a there's a part of that like okay maybe some of it you know some of it can be healthy as far as you know okay now everybody's challenged to a higher level. What is Foundry going to do to make this an appealing? Because D&D Beyond isn't the only game that all these tabletops are, are being used for, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so they're still going to be needed for those, but the numbers are obviously weighted. Yeah. Yeah. I think this just popped into my head, but I think uh, a VTT for something like Warhammer would be really it would be tough to do because because of the emphasis on the minis that the game actually has yeah that would be uh, a delicate problem to solve i think yeah um but that might be that might be the future of other other VTT services because if which would be just awesome though, like I would love to play yeah. Warhammer 40k. Yeah, well, and it would if if somebody were to make a a virtual tabletop made for that, it's it would most certainly be leagues more accessible than the physical version. However, oh, yeah. they do it. Oh yeah. I'm just thinking about though, like automatically, like as part of the you know all three are together. You buy the books and you just have tokens for everything mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh, as man. a dm as a dm that's so <laughs> like oh just I'm, i wasn't even feeling chef's kiss anxious today but that just like relieved some like standing anxiety in my chest yeah like oh what a great like that would concept be, yeah that would be so that would be so nice um and obviously they can inherently get their maps in their adventures you know oh, over yeah. to it and oh so it's yeah that day could not come soon enough that's one of those things where it's like maybe some evil is going on with like (laughs) burning out like taking out some competition by doing it Mm -hmm. but i'm totally just going to be that guy that's like yep i'm accepting this i'm into it i'm gonna i'm going to pretend to ignore the companies off to the side that are burning right now yeah and i'm just gonna play my dungeons and dragons (laughs) So, yeah. um, all right. Oh, Wait, I have one more thing. Unrelated. Okay. Have you seen the Elden Ring memes about the, uh, the Jarnished Let Me Solo Her? No. You haven't seen this guy? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, my haven't. gosh. Okay. On the Elden Ring uh, Reddit, or subreddit, this guy is everywhere. So the the story is, um, Millennia is a like a really really hard optional boss in the game. Okay. 
um, just like the bane of so many people's uh, playthroughs in the game. She's super, super hard. Um, canonically, she's like a major player in the backstory of the game. Okay. Um, sh- uh, we don't need to get into that. So, like, super, super hard boss. Like, some, some people have tried, like, over 200 times to beat her before finally oh. beating her. Yeah, getting it. Yeah. Um, and so, with the co-op function in the game, you can summon random yep. people to your game to help you fight one of the bosses. And so, this guy was just, like, summoning uh, people to come help fight this boss. One of the players, one of the summonable players names was let me solo her all caps. So he goes okay. up to the summon sign, summons this character and he's completely naked, just wearing like the, the rag, like underwear speed yeah, yeah, thing yeah. on the dude and has like an upside down jar on his head. And he's dual wielding uh, these katanas, I think. Okay. And like that was it. Just let me solo her. So he he summons this guy, and then the the guy who posted the, about this told the story. He just sat back in the arena and just let the guy go and solo this boss, and he freaking beats her first try. <laughs> like yeah. And so and so now like the the original poster posted that it got like 20,000 upvotes or something on reddit like yeah a ton of upvotes <clears throat> this guy is now legendary on the subreddit there's people oh, like yeah. 3d printing that character model like painting it there's like <laughs> oh. uh, just, like this one um oh like two of these people are trying to kill you the rest of them are trying, or two of these people are protecting you. The rest of them are trying to kill you. There's like nine different people, and the let me solo her guy is on there. Like, he's just this random dude is just like cemented <laughs> and immortalized as part of this game now in the community. I, it's I love, I love stuff like that. It's so good. I've never seen anything like this before. It's. Oh. <laughs> Just this naked dude with a jar on his head, just like soloing one of the most notorious bosses in this game. Ah, what a champion. Whoever you are, if you're listening, you're my hero. Um, that reminds, like, I love the, like, people that have played RuneScape for any amount of time knows the name Zezima. Because mm-hmm. um, he, he got, like, he was number one for quite a while with like skills and getting max getting you know the max skill in a bunch of different areas Mm -hmm. um and like he posted a video years and years ago he i don't think he plays anymore but posted a video years ago and it was just his chat box and it was just at all times 1 a.m 1 (laughs) p.m 7 p.m zoom in because just everybody in the world is sending him friend requests and sending him <laughs> private messages. Jeez. Um, but like his like when when community, like people in the community or like 
community creations get cemented into the history of the game. Like, I love that. I think that's, that's like, um, Shirley Curley. Does that, uh, Shirley Curry or whatever her name is, does that ring a bell to you at all? Mm-mm. Um, she's known as like the Skyrim grandma. She's <laughs> this, she's like this 80, 90 year old lady that streams and plays, uh, like post YouTube videos of her playing Skyrim. Dang. That's and so cool. she's, she's been doing it for years and Bethesda went out and like interviewed her, mm-hmm. um, a while back and um all this and all that and like her dream she just loves playing skyrim like her kid like i think her grandkid showed her skyrim one day she's been playing skyrim ever since mm-hmm. um and she the community made uh her okay her channel's ridiculous because not a lot of people watch her like actively mm-hmm. um but she has like five hundred thousand something subscribers Jeez. um and so um you'll uh, so the community made a voiced mod follower. So like Shirley, Shirley is a fall is a f- follower that you can get in Skyrim now. Oh, nice. Um, and Bethesda last year, maybe two years ago, who knows? Mm-hmm. They're taking forever on the next Elder Scrolls. Um, Skyrim pulled her into the next Elder Scrolls. So she will be an NPC in the next Elder Scrolls game. Fetch, dude. That's sick. I love so stuff, that. Stuff like that. So as soon as you tell me this jar thing, I'm like, oh, dude, I love, like, that, for all we know, that guy could be a 13-year-old, you know, girl from Wisconsin. Right. Just, like, who who knows? Who cares? Um, Like, just, but the, oh, man. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. They're throwing around so. the name Jarnished now. Because the main, like, you play as a tarnished, but since yeah, the yeah, thing yeah. he's wearing is a jar. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's so good, dude. Uh, anyway, that was the only other game news I had. All right. Um, all right, back to this. Okay, so my one out of ten. Um, I oh, give this. Should we talk? Should we say, like, the title, Call of the Netherdeep? Oh yeah, I don't that, think we yeah, did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hey guys, we're talking about Call of the Netherdeep today. <laughs> we're talking about uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage today. No, we're uh, consummate <laughs> professionals. Yes. Okay, so Call of the Netherdeep. Uh, I give it uh, a nine out of ten. Dang. Okay. I yep. thought I was being generous. Um, yeah. Is this where we want to uh, go ahead and give our spoiler disclaimer and then jump into it? Yeah, let's go ahead and throw out that spoiler warning right now. Okay. Um, literally for the rest of the episode. We're just going to be talking about all the stuff. All the stuff. So, you've been warned. Thanks for listening. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, (laughs) we got a good 23 minutes out of you, so. Um, Okay. Uh, where do you, um, where do you want to start, Brian? Was there anything that just stuck out to you immediately and you haven't been able to get out of your head? Um, yes. The world building. (laughs) That's the most vague answer possible. But just the whole, like, the whole introduction, the whole, all the introductory chapters before you actually get into the adventure, are they just... Scream 
Mad Mercer. They just scream Critical yep. Role. Like, and that's and there's just something about that that I love. There's the whole um the ch- the champion what the uh, apothe apotheum uh, yeah elixian yeah. slash apotheon yeah yeah so elixian was the person's name he was a dude i believe um it was elixian was his name apotheon became his title uh i think like a new name yeah, slash something like title. That. Yeah, I mean, um, he beca- he was like a pseudo god, so yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, like the whole I love the whole mythology of Exandria, or is that the name of the world? Yeah, I think so. Yep. Yeah, I love the Exandria mythology of um, the gods the whole pantheon of gods were walking on the earth, creating it, you know, shaping it. um, Messing with it. Yeah. As artists uh, shape clay, you know, they were creating the world on the world. And then um, conflict happens. And in order to save the world, they have to run away behind this divine gate and seal off all of the deities from physically interacting with the world. Uh, just super, super cool. And so this Elixian guy, um, he's fighting on the side of the prime gods, the good guys. Um, and in an effort to save his hometown, essentially, um, seeks and gains the favor of three different gods and gets like superpowers he's like like a pseudo god like you said yeah um kind of saves the day but then also like dies and doesn't save the day gets trapped in this new abyssal realm like in between the abyss and the elemental plane of water and by that time already being like a pseudo god Mm -hmm. having done like crazy things and already having saved the day multiple Mm -hmm. times in the past yeah 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 so this was like this last thing was the the final act of one of the betrayer gods before they got shut out on the other side of the divine game the the one of the orcish gods like took a spear and like did a super kamehameha attack on <laughs> he was trying to he was wanting to pierce the world yeah basically destroy the continent continent of marquette i think yeah so he goes to destroy it the apotheon blocks it or absorbs it and through the attack of the orc god and the apotheon's trifecta of divine favor um sends the sends the attack into this like weird nether deep realm between the abyss and the plane of water and then he gets just, he just gets trapped there and so 
Uh, I love all that. Like that, I love mythologies, and that's just that's just a really really cool mythology. So that was all really good. Um, I liked. So, I liked the presence of Apotheon throughout the like throughout the story. Because mm-hmm. I I like the I I love tie-ins that begin like as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Like the stuff where like at the end the player can see like where its presence was in the very beginning. Yeah. Like when you, um, I think there was an episode of, um. Psych, uh, the TV show. I don't know if you ever watched it. <laughs> I watched a little bit of it. I do really like it. So there's a couple season finales. They're called the yin and yang finales. Mm-hmm. And like each, there's like three seasons of it or something. Um, And the, the those three episodes, those three finales are, are continuous of each other, not mm-hmm. with the rest of the season they were in. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. And... Like even something like that, where like at the end of the at the end of the first like finale, they show like he finds the bad guy and she's like talking to him and she's like, she's like, Sean, you know, Sean, I've always been there with you. Mm -hmm. And then like he goes through the flashbacks of like throughout the episode and throughout the day or the weekend. And like they show where she like they were at the they were getting breakfast and she was sitting next to him and like they were at the grocery store and she was the one helping them with their groceries. And, um, and, uh, and then in the next finale, she's like, Sean, like I've literally always been there with you. And then you see a photo that like you've seen, like you go back to previous episodes and previous seasons and like, they've had it there before. Mm-hmm. Um, where like, it's a photo of him as a child and her. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and all that's co- like all that's cool, but the really cool like the thing that I love is like you can go back to an episode that aired 2 years ago and you can see that photo up on the wall in his home. Whoa. Like they like that, planned and, it out that far in advance. Yeah, like the obvious like the obvious thing, you know. Yeah. So, I love stuff like that. And so and so um the things, you know, the things here with the uh, and the the DM can take it either way. The DM can make it obvious that this is a building thing, or the DM can really do some. You know, the DM can choose to do something where, like, you find this, you find this amulet, and maybe you, maybe you literally are going about different quests, and this amulet is with you, and and just, yeah. There's a lot of different ways you could take it. I like, I like the possibility that maybe that you get the amulet, and then maybe you're doing a completely different adventure, mm-hmm. and like. You just find yourself maybe at the tail end, maybe like chap, maybe like where you would usually find yourself in chapter four of this adventure. Mm-hmm. But you've been doing different things, but you've had this amulet with you the whole time, and maybe it's been helping you without you knowing it. Um, or maybe Apotheon has been trying to like shed his guilt by helping you in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and then you go through like later. I just I love stuff like that. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I love um, that too. Like, and and there's like the Apotheon isn't just like a static NPC with four lines of dialogue. He's he like grows and changes with you based on your like the players' um, choices. 
Yeah. And, and there's lots of different ways to influence that. Um, and like at the end, he can either be, he can be like two completely different final bosses depending yes. on, uh, on your, on how you played the adventure, which is probably my most favorite thing about this. Like the split up, like the different endings mm-hmm. that you can have. Yeah. The multiple endings. That's, uh, see, this is so why good. I think you should finish the Witcher game. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, no, I do. I do love that. I love. So Matt and like Marisha and several of these, these people, like they, they're, they're very open. Like they've talked about, like they go to a lot of them, like have spoken about how they go to like counselors, you know, and they've mm-hmm. gone to counselors throughout their life. And they're, yeah. they try to be pretty open for being public figures. Yeah. Um, I was not surprised at all. And I, and I feel like it was a very conscious choice that Apotheon was like this pseudo God mm-hmm. and like the revenge was certainly there. They mentioned that as being one of the things that he's experiencing, Yep. but he's like, they're talking about like, like shame and loneliness mm-hmm. and desire for, you know, empathy. Yeah um and you know being being lied to like how he um this uh frustration when he woke up and people were just like taking from him mm-hmm. um and at the end like it's it's talking about how he uh in the middle of the story like the book says like presented in the way like apotheon is trying to present him his best self yeah exactly to yeah to the characters and then at the end apothean is still trying to like he wants em- empathy from the players mm-hmm. and characters mm-hmm. i think that's a that's an ex- uh, it's obviously an extremely intentional decision yeah that like these emotions are the ones that are that are talked about mm-hmm. um not revenge or f- uh, fury i mean revenge and fury are brought up but they're not they're not the only ones and yeah, i feel like those two are the common yeah, there are two options that can be fostered by the player's actions. Um, my f- yeah, I love that part you were describing. Um, I especially love that uh, the the like the cause of those negative emotions was that he was forgotten that he had yes exactly that he had made this huge sacrifice. And the world just went on without him and forgot about, yeah. completely forgot about him. Um, I like, I think it's presented in the way that like you're like, I got the impression, like I was starting to look at him, like almost in the, like looking at a child, mm-hmm. a child that's experiencing these emotions and doesn't know how to deal with them. Yeah. Um, Cause uh, I don't know how I don't know if it's indicated like how old he was by the time this like cataclysmic event happened, yeah. but either way, like he had to he had himself only um, when he was in the this newly created Nether Deep, mm-hmm. and then he just had to deal with these emotions by himself and let the you know they just festered, mm-hmm. um, and that was that was just kind of the vibe I was getting is like that this this is a very like an extremely powerful being 
that's having this great effect on the world, but his emotions should kind of be thought about as kind of like you'd be talking to a child and how like the child is able to process it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just fascinating character development for, for that guy. Um, Matt made a comment a long time ago. I can't remember where it was. If, if it was in, uh, I think it was in something that Brian W. Foster did, whether it was a Tox Machina or a Beneath the Sheets or an In Between the Sheets um, thing, whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. But um, they were talking about combat and um, some somebody else made a con- comment about combat and, and how there was a lot of combat, or D&D is like mainly focused around combat. Mm-hmm. And Matt had a response of like, he like, breathed in he's like yeah like i want to f- i want to f- deal with that like he said he said something like that mm-hmm. and i knew and i was kind of like i didn't know i i always knew like i'm gonna see something sometime like the fruits of his labor because he obviously like he he wanted to add more to the game and he wants there to just be more than combat um to it and i think that it's, it comes up in a bunch of different ways in this adventure, but one of them being like throughout the entire time, the bad guy is not just like the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like the, the, the end from the very beginning, the first time you're exposed to him, he's being exposed as a vict as a victim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can always in a lot, like there's, there's comp. Yes. There's combat in the adventure all throughout it. Sure. But in a ton of the main story elements, like you can avoid, combat yeah and you can choose to go down a deep role-playing social intrigue path mm-hmm. if you would like to mm-hmm. um he still opens it in uh, like he still gives the avenues um like if you cho- like he didn't say like hey if you choose to kill apotheon like it's you know you're kind of a dick and mm-hmm. nothing really happens <laughs> like he makes that fight epic oh yeah like there's in multiple phases ways. to it Exactly. Um, like it's a ve- it can be very satisfying, but the option is there mm-hmm. to do something different, and I think that's I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that it can show up in is the different ways that you can react and interact with the rivals. Yeah, I was just gonna bring that up too, because yeah, there's a group of rival adventurers who are whose goal is the exact same as yours, essentially. It, well, it, it begins out... It begins as a contest. Because they're both presented, between, yeah. Between your group and this rival group that's written into the story. And they've got whole blurbs on their backstories. And, uh, <clears throat> and it says, like, within the first interaction, you can either make friends with them and have it be a friendly rivalry or not. And you know, they're trying to kill you the whole time, but that's all based on choices and role play. And I love that it doesn't like, it doesn't pigeonhole the entire team. If somebody's done something wrong, because it mentioned several times opportunities where like the party may generally be aggressive towards the other party. But if like one character feels friendly towards another character, they may still like meet up, like exchange info, um, meet at like a at an inn and get some food, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's cool because, you know, everybody, not everybody's a murder hobo, but people are going to have different reactions to it um, that maybe not every player on the at the table wanted to have. Mm-hmm. And so it's maybe it's an obvious thing now that it's been said, but I wasn't thinking about it until I read it that like, yeah, some of them can still like all each of the rivals are, first of all, pretty deep, like pretty deep. Oh, yeah, There's only a couple sure. paragraphs on each of them, but each of them have They're like real- one of them wants to um, uh, one of them wants to find love. One of them wants mm. to like become an expert swordsman or something yeah. like that. Like they're these rivals, so to speak, have very honorable goals. Yeah. I love the, I think he's a goblin cleric. Yeah. Um, his whole thing is I just want to protect people. And subconsciously he wants to find meaning in himself through protecting people that he himself is worthy of protection. Uh, and he finds that by, uh, protecting other, but by, by protecting his friends, like finding friends that he wants to protect and hopefully ultimately want to protect him. I want to play that character. <laughs> I freaking love that guy. It's a cool. Yeah. I, I love how they've done all of them. Um, cause you can actually like, it's enough is given that you can actually be like, yeah, they are, they're not just like the enemy. Mm-hmm. They're other, pre- they are just a presence, a heavy presence yeah. in the adventure. Yeah. They're kind of a, they're, I like it because it's a organic and living source of tension in the adventure uh the kind of tension that drives the story so like for example in the lord of the rings the the source of tension was getting the ring to mordor like yeah that was that was the goal and and that was the source of tension in this you have like the goal to go to the nether deep uh you know solve the mystery and either f- help or hinder the apotheon but the source of tension is this other group of people that also want to do that i think and that's it's a and it's super unique con- and interesting yeah. way to to do that when it's continually like the timer is always on yeah cuz they both know like they want to be they just both groups want to be the heroes mm-hmm. yeah um and so it's um like some you know sometimes you're just the party's in a in a town or something and they there's not really a, a natural way to get them going on to the next the next thing or they've taken two sessions to go on a shopping spree and so this like at all times all you need to do is just give a piece of dialogue and like, mm-hmm. you know, you saw like the local, like the, the garrison at the Northern gate, you know, saw their rivals, you know, heading out of town the previous morning, mm-hmm. um, souped up and, and ready for battle. Or, you know, they saw the rivals, you know, stocked full with a wagon full of mining equipment mm-hmm. and it's like, well, crap, like what the heck are they doing? Yeah. Yeah. What do they know it's that like, we don't? Yeah. 
and so there's there's always like there there's always going to be this thing that you can grab on easily to to keep the story going yeah um whether you're doing something part of the module or you've homebrewed something like the rivals can always be like a crux in 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 making sure that mm-hmm. things are moving along yeah i think that's a cool i i think that's a super cool narrative device in the different, um, they went to a bunch of different locations, but they had kind of the three, they had like the three cities and then they go down into the nether deep. Yeah. Did you have a, did you have a favorite? I did not. Um, so there was, there was Jigo or Jigao, the... Yeah kind of the smaller town that's the starting one yep yeah then there was they end up in on right what was the middle one so there was a there was on there was Bazozan. oh um, yeah Bazozan, yeah, i think is what is how he pronounces it yeah um, um and then at the bottom of on you have the you have the cow something something the the old city and then underneath that you obviously have the nether deep mm-hmm. yeah um i don't really remember much about basil Zan. i think i just ever since campaign one i've loved on because it's semi-secretly being ruled by an ancient brass dragon and that's just yeah. like the coolest thing i can imagine in a in a fantasy setting yeah um so i mean i love that um i also love that the it's built on top of the ancient ruins of the city that um elixian saved yeah um where the portal to the nether deep is so tried yeah, to save tried to save yeah yeah um thank you but yeah, that's yeah, that's probably gonna be my favorite city in this. I love the like the focus on all in all these different areas. Uh, another intentional choice that he made was to have all these um, exotic D and D races. You know, these are these are the races that are more common mm-hmm. um, in all these towns, like in Bazozan. Um, and yeah, I mean, it inspired in it inspired a couple different areas for me in my world. Oh, sweet. Um, and I, I always, I always love that. Yeah. Um, there was, there was, a, there was, and, and a lot of the stuff that Matt's done, you know, you just read one thing and you're like, as soon as it's just the way the world building is, you read mm-hmm. one thing and it kind of sparks something and the end result may be totally different, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say Bazozan is is Bazozan is one of my favorites just because like they're like it's so obvious like it's it's so present mm-hmm. that uh, you have um, these le- and and in the various cities I think Ankarel had more of more of the faction presence but like the leaders of the different factions were you know you had a you had a, like a bugbear or a couple orcs or something as like mm-hmm. leaders of these factions. Um, and stuff like that I just love because I think that's not necessarily the most common 
uh, approach when somebody new to world building is trying to set something out because they're just going with you know humans or you know humans elves and dwarves are the ones that are in you know humans elves and dwarves and halflings are the ones that are in lord of the rings so yeah so that's what there is so those yeah um and then orcs are just the ones that the dwarves hated so (laughs) yeah yeah i mean that yeah i will i'll say that i'll say that i do thoroughly enjoy both types of settings the ones like the super exotic ones like matt mercer's i think I think one of the things that Matt Mercer will be known for is his exotic locales. <laughs> yeah. Um, he does a fantastic job at breathing life into cities um, through his writing and his, you know, in like at the table. Um, the, like you said, the exoticism in all of the, the races present uh, is wonderful, but there's just something so like comforting and, simple and fun about just like yep i'm playing an elf ranger and i want to do elf ranger stuff or oh yeah absolutely you know yeah and so i'm Um, glad for for the player characters for both of those types of settings yeah well and even matt in his own world like he has what's the name of the oldest human city again vasselheim i think Yeah, yeah 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 vasselheim like vasselheim is is hyper like you know magic magic is bad mm-hmm. you know humans are here this you know this and that this is the city mm-hmm. a much different impression than basil Zan. and and it's felt when the players in in critical role go to these lands in marquette for the first time yeah and that's the intention it's like it's a it's a it's a culture shock yeah mm-hmm. um and i love i love that too and so and so obviously there's you know there's reasons and, and, you know, this is when somebody can easily get into a rabbit hole on their world, world building, but like, what are the reasons that things are kind of split up like this? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's... And, and all that. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I like that. Yeah. Um, it's very final I... fantasy esque barring final fantasy 15. Like if you, uh, like final fantasy 12 has some great cities in it. The, like the the starting city in Final Fantasy twelve, there's all kinds of different like there's pig people, there's rabbit people, there's little the cute little Moogle people. Yeah. Yeah, they're just yeah. It's very it's very Final Fantasy esque for me. So can I ask, um, you mentioned there were one or two things that you weren't necessarily a fan of in the beginning of the episode. Do you uh, do you remember what those what those were? Yeah. Um, so the th- I didn't love that there wasn't a ton of. Well, I didn't love that there was zero new character choices. There's zero races, zero Got it. classes, zero subclasses, zero spells. Um. There is a handful of magic items. Uh, actually, I think there are 
essentially two variations of magic item. There's the Vestige of Divergence, which is like a main plot device. Um, and then there's like the Ru- Ruidium. Yep. The, the, the magic ore that grows out of the Apotheon's negative emotion. So that ore can infect an item and make it a magical item, which comes with um, positives and negatives. And and then there's some some common wondrous items that are like one use, like single use. You get advantage on a on a skill check, and then it's and then it's inert. Which I thought was cool as like a, like I can see a DM using that in place of the, the raw inspiration mechanic. Yeah. Like, oh, you, like it's a way for a DM to in character reward some cool role play to a character. Like, oh, you get a merit of whatever because you did something cool for this. Yeah. This NPC. Letting it be so, a character reward unless instead right. of just a player reward. Right. Like, oh, you helped out this old lady, so she's giving you the, this her her prized merit of who's a what's it, and so like you have that now. So that gotcha. was cool, but like there just wasn't anything new for a character to do. So that was kind of lame. I thought I was I was excited to get some. Some more Med Mercer originals, but gotcha. I got over it. Um, I didn't have so kind of in my like thing of you know D and D is D and D, and every table can be different. I didn't have a whole lot of negatives to it. There were things that I just didn't you know I didn't really resonate with, and I just yeah. There was a lot of skip that, that part too, but yeah, the the, char- the lack of character options were probably my main my main grievance. Yeah. Um, the reason that I give it a 9 out of 10 is because of the, for me, the ease, because of the continuous conflict in interaction with Apotheon, um, the presence of the factions and the depth that they go into with the different faction stuff, and the continuous conflict with the rivals. I feel like there is so much for a DM to grab onto. Mm-hmm. and make changes on the spot or make little, you know, personalize it in their own way. Cause you need a, you know, you need something to hold on to mm-hmm. If you're going to, if you're going to change something, you need yeah. something in general. Yeah. Um, and for me, I think, I think it's so easy to organically add something in or take something out or change something up a little bit. And, and if I'm trying to look for ideas, I have so much to go to. I can be like, okay, well, what, you know, is there something Apothean might say that might take them to a different location? Or um, maybe I can add a little conflict between one of these factions or, you know, uh, maybe the rivals are trying to, the, the and, and that's just at any point in the story, the, the book has just given you something multiple choices to make your changes feel super organic mm-hmm. and let you customize the module. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's why I like it so much is I can feel the, if I were to run a module, like it would be something like this where I can, I, I always feel the freedom. 
Like I'm always going to have an easy way to implement something I have of my own. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I got that too. Um, so um, that was my big takeaway um, of it. I had a bunch of little notes here um, and I might just run them off. Yeah. I love riddles. I hate making riddles, but I love, I hate <laughs> making riddles and I love, and I hate solving riddles, but I love the concept of like riddles as a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um So you like so, 33% of riddles? Yes, yes. Okay. Um so the riddles and all, in general a lot of the non-combat challenges in the festival in the beginning of the game mm-hmm. were really cool. I do love um, myself it, a skill challenge, man. Yeah, the skill challenges were were really good. And again, trying to make them like it's it's not always easy to make them feel exciting. Yeah. Um and That's, I feel like they did a good job. Um, I, lo- I loved, as soon as I read it, uh, he had a, he had encounter set up for some of the traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, and two of the encounters I just, I loved. And one of them was the patrol encounter where you just run into a patrol of a particular faction or something. Uh-huh. That's fine. You just run into a patrol. Yeah. What I loved is like, they had variations of the encounter for if you rolled it multiple times. Yeah. Um, and again, it sounds so simple, but I, you know, I didn't think of that. And mm-hmm. so he's just like, if you, you know, he gives like five variations. That's cool. Um, and that just so much more makes the world feel alive. Cause then it makes it like, yeah, they're still there. Like it's, it's a patrol. Like mm-hmm. they're on that road. Yeah. <laughs> That's their thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you're going to encounter him more than once. I loved that. Um, the Moorbounder, that's another encounter. There's just a guy on a friendly Moorbounder that's being attacked by a couple aggressive ones. Mm-hmm. You can save him. Cool. Like, he's now saved. It's yeah. a little thing, and the Witcher, the Witcher uses it all the time. But instead of giving you a reward right there, he says, hey, like, I think he says, like, I don't really have much. But if you're ever in X town, uh, like, come and find me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then yeah. it tells you like if they ever meet up with him he'll give each of the players like five gold yeah and it's a little thing but it makes the world feel so much more interconnected when the players have done that maybe four sessions ago and then they run into this character and maybe the character is like hey and he like recognizes them and he runs over he says hey I was that guy you know like a week ago that, that you saved Mm-hmm. Um, and then they remember they're like oh my goodness that was before like we found that was before we found out the leader of this city was a dragon <laughs> that was before like like so much has happened mm-hmm. and yeah. like this five gold maybe doesn't even mean as much to us anymore but it's still like it makes them remember yeah. that thing um, the Witcher 3 uses that all the time for side quests and also but also deeper stuff yeah. some of it is just like hey it's a random location and hey like you go get this guy out of a cage and then usually he's a he's he or she is a merchant in a nearby like settlement mm-hmm. so if you if you free them then you just find them as a an additional merchant that you have access to later yeah. on but they'll make a little dialogue and they'll say hey like i appreciate you saved me back there and depending on your route that you were taking it could have been you could have done that months ago right yeah. <laughs> and so you're like i don't i don't know what you're talking about but then like hey you saved me back there i really appreciate it you know let me let's trade some wares and then you have the other ones where it's like a multi-game thing. I know in one of the previous Witchers, you had the option with a couple guys in the first or second one. They approach you and they say, hey, we're trying to 
they're trying to conduct this experiment and we basically want you to drink this potion and tell us, you know, how it goes. <laughs> and they don't, they don't tell you anything. So you drink the potion and it doesn't come up at all ever again uh-huh. until you see that same game. You might, depending on where you look, you might find some notes. Mm-hmm. But um, I think in the middle of The Witcher 3, you can find them. Um, or maybe not even find them. I think, I think you're like running through a burning area and there's a note. <laughs> there's a note on a fountain. And if you stop and read the note, it says like it's like the guy's like notes on like he's been observing us. Wow. And that might be all you get. And it's like, oh. yeah, sure. Like that might mean nothing to you. But also if you if you've chosen to pay attention, you're just going to be like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. And that's freaking so cool. I, and like it's such a small thing, but it it's so impactful. It can be really impactful. To have yeah, that callback to the, the earlier time when, when yeah. life was so much more simple. Yeah. It gives the impression. That's the important thing. Mm-hmm. It gives the impression of greater depth, even if, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like a randomly deep portion of the game. Yeah. You know, you're putting up the average. So um, we're hitting our, our hour mark. Um, I want to, I'm just going to read through some of these things that I had. Um. I like the connection that they made between the different locations because you weren't in on Corel in the beginning, but you were where Elixian prayed the first time. So that's mm-hmm. where you find the gem. And yeah, like yeah. throughout the, the time, it, it never didn't make sense that this location was part of the part of the story. Mm-hmm. So I just like the continuity of that. Um, the whole section f- uh, separated out to flesh out the different factions. I just, I like that and that that's just available to them. Um, the fact that you get like all the in-game and I haven't read uh, the um, uh, Waterdeep adventure because apparently they do a pretty good job in there as well. Yeah. But the the in-game rewards for going like progressing in, in a faction because they were starting to they would say like, hey, if you're part of this faction, you can you can roll with advantage on this or you automatically gain this knowledge when you walk into the room. I love mm-hmm. I love that stuff. Yeah. Um, I just wrote, I just wrote down a note that says a uh, sick name in the drowned city temple of the arch heart. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's, that's a cool, cool name. Um, in the nether deep, the entire time that they're exploring, they don't have to, but they can f- discover and then seek out the, basically the entirety of Elixian's story. Mm-hmm. Oh, and man, they can I like love, go through like his childhood and all that, that stuff. Uh, I, I love that. And then I had just the multiple endings. Like that's, that's an amazing, that's an amazing thing. And oh, then it, just... again, for giving the DM so much power, because mm-hmm. they explain to you all these different things that you can take the story forward with. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, if you let, Oh my God. When they said like the betrayer gods might help you. Yeah, I was dude. like, bro. Yeah. Bitch. So cool. I know there's just, there's so much going on. There's so many moving pieces and it might not ever come up, but if it does, it just, it adds so much more depth to the whole adventure. Yeah. Um, that was what, that was what I had. I think the, I think the Rudian, Rudium stuff was cool. Um, I think the corruption was cool. The corruption but it, cool, was cool. Yeah. The cool, I thought it was cool in the way of like, it wasn't annoying. Mm-hmm. I feel like, cause a lot of it was cosmetic yeah um but like it, it i felt it came up an appropriate amount of times so i feel like it it was it was there to make sure they 
they knew the the intensity of the story but the actual visual effects were mostly just that visual effects mm-hmm. right um because it was based off of exhaustion and it, all it would be is if when you got rid of that point of exhaustion the cause the the aesthetic you know you would still have that uh, mm-hmm. that appearance and it wouldn't yeah. leave um and i think the objective is like most of these players are probably dealing with some level of, cor- of visible corruption yeah by the time they're getting to, so it's probably this pretty grotesque sight between mm-hmm. them and the rivals and like yeah. they have been like slowly and slowly being af- getting all being touched by his effects mm-hmm. um and that part i think is cool just like that that yeah but by the end of it you can see the progression of their journey yeah So that's that's what I had on the uh, on the book. I like it. I like it mostly because of how many options they left open for the DM. Not not gaps in the story, but doors to go outside of it if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic. I loved. I loved the story. I loved how deep and intricate the story was, and I loved how much um, impact that the players had on the story. Yeah. I wish there was a little more monster hunter. I wish there was a little more, uh, you know, know? that's just my, that's my jam. So I like killing big, huge monsters and stuff, but, but I, I do, I do love this book for what it is. It's a, it's a different type of adventure, slightly different. It's still D and D. But it's a it's a little bit more of a story, and I love that. I do. Yeah. So, homebrew corner, right? Uh, yep. This is gonna be the fast. I have a I have a I have a call that I'm already late for. So this is gonna be the fastest one ever. Okay. Level seven for rogues is real simple. You get probably the most powerful rogue feature: evasion. Uh, so on deck saves that you can see, you have, well, you take half damage on a failure and you take no damage on a success. So you just straight up matrix the heck out of a fireball. Just nothing. Um, and your sneak attack goes up by 1d6. So you're dealing 46 damage on a sneak attack once per turn. So that's cool. It's very, yeah, just rogues are so simple, uh, but man, they're just, they're effective. And it's, and it just keeps like, it feels like the, like it's a, it's a, the incline just gets bigger and bigger as you level up. Cause all of a sudden you're level set. How, how much, how much, what's the D6 again? What's the sneak attack damage looking like right now? Four D6. Uh, it just bumped up one. Uh, it, yeah. So every two levels you get another D6, which is, I mean, it's just great. I mean, I, as far as like the features go, we've kind of hit, um, a soft cap, if you will. Um, but the, the, the sneak attack does just keep getting more and more ridiculous as we get going. So That'll be gotcha. exciting. And there's a lot more um, ability score improvements coming. 
Um, so the specialization uh, will really start to get more and more narrow for Glick. Um, and the and the lore, because you know, the more power they have, you know, the more each decision they make is on a bigger level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the beginning, the only thing they can really decide is where they're going to sleep for the night. But then the right. decisions they're making by the time they're level seven are, you know, just mm-hmm. instinctively on a different level. Yeah, like uh, Glick could be making decisions that would that would affect a, a whole city or kingdom at this point, probably. Right. Is that yeah. How- yeah. Yep, kingdom, region, yeah. especially like he's get, getting up to, you know, at level seven and then eight, nine and ten. Yeah. Like large regions and, and people are going to be looking at those decisions yeah. that that character is making. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey, I like it. Um, all right. I was <laughs> I did not prepare myself for for this one. So this is this is uh, just flipped open to the monster manual. And this is what I'm thinking. So. Marshy, marshy land. Okay. Uh, you're in kind of a sw- you're in a swampy kind of bog area. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, maybe you guys have been told that you know some some magics or some I don't know magics or screaming something something is like a village is asking you guys to check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, or at this level, maybe there's a bigger reason that you guys have been asked to uh, to come out there. Um, maybe. Um, Maybe a city is trying to uh, clear out a large swath of the forest to do some secret kind of experiments and have a kind of a secret area, you know, an Area 51 mm-hmm. thing to do. Yeah, yeah. But they've been having problems and people have been dying while doing that. So they need you to, to go clear it out and figure out why, you know, why this has been having issues. So that's the source. You go in um, as a player, like you're being you're being led in on the knowledge as time as time goes on but you find these tunnel like you get into this bog and then you find these tunnels Mm -hmm. um and super interweaving and like going underground and then going back above ground like these tunnels that are sitting even even above ground and through which you find uh you find some hags Uh, a night hag is uh is difficulty level five and then you have some sea hags uh maybe some ghouls are some lower level folks that can, that can go in with them as far as monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine. Uh, you're just, you're just kind of dealing with them combat, you know, kind of surface level when it gets deep is when you get to maybe the, you know, the end of one of the tunnels and you find a ritual happening between a bunch of the hags and you find that the tunnels that you've been going through are, is the petrified internals of a hydra oh fetch dude and these hags are trying to reinvigorate reinvigor this uh or or revivify this uh this hydra mm-hmm. um and then all of a sudden it becomes this this thing and maybe mm-hmm. it's a you can turn it into a race against time um you know this or that maybe maybe it's starting to be reincarnated so maybe the walls are becoming more fleshy um and less like dry you know mm-hmm. as you're going through them as 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 life is coming back to the hydra mm-hmm. and more and more indicators are giving to the players that like you're in a you don't know what you're in but you're in like a living thing it's not a it's not a stone cave anymore yeah um 
and then yeah and then at that point then you would just you would just progress it however however it goes Mm -hmm. dang dude i love i freaking love when uh the cave turns out to be a monster (laughs) every (laughs) every time like or when the island turns out to be a turtle or you know like when the Millennium Falcon goes into that cave and it turns out to be this huge space worm, like every yeah. single time I go in for it. I freaking yeah. love it, dude. I'm into it. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Go check out Called Another Deep. It's fantastic. It's super fun. Probably. We didn't play it, but it's great. <laughs> it's a great time. All right, guys. We will, uh, we will see you next time.